Welcome to the Self Love Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Ross Rosenberg. You might know me from my Human Magnet Syndrome book or my Codependency Cure and the Healing the Inner Trauma Child Treatment Program. If you identify as being codependent or what I call self-love deficient, or you consider yourself an empath or a survivor of narcissistic abuse, or if you just have been held back by your life, by your circumstances, or more sadly, a person, say a pathological narcissist, this is the place to be. I will bring my personal and professional experience to help you overcome the biggest and for some the most tragic obstacles. I am committing to giving you the very best information I know that I believe will resonate with both your experience as well as your future dreams. So sit back, enjoy, and let's make this world a better place, one self-love abundant person at a time. Recently, I just finished my seminar program called The 50 Shades of Pathological Narcissism. So in the first one, uh, the one that focuses on just narcissism and narcissistic abuse, at the end of it, I started to talk about the aging process for pathological narcissists. I find this quite fascinating because one, I see this subject appear over and over again with my clients, especially with their, their parents. And I have also seen it in my life. One thing that I've learned is that pathological narcissists, in order to maintain the power and control that they need based upon their narcissistic needs, they have to reinvent themselves when they don't have the abilities, capabilities, strength, or resource to manipulate others into making them feel good about themselves at the expense of that person. And it goes back to, um, and, and I remember this moment because it was the very first large training or seminar I ever gave, it was when um, it was in Seattle, and I think there was 150 people there. And yeah, I was pretty nervous, but that's not the point of the story. But it, way at the back of the auditorium, a person asks a question, and she goes, you know, I think you're completely wrong about your assertion that pathological narcissists cannot change, which she was talking about my belief, what I call the psychological rule that if you have a personality disorder, it is almost impossible to overcome it, to get rid of it, or to heal from it. And if so, it's a very rare occurrence. And so she continues and says, you know, my aunt, she has changed remarkably at age 80. She lost her husband. She lost her sisters. She lost all of her friends. And all of a sudden, she decided to be another person, that this was time for her to change. And that's when she started visiting us, taking an interest in the kids. She took us on vacations. She gave us money, gave us loans. And she just was always interested in us. And she went on and she goes, and that is the evidence I have for you, Mr. Rosenberg. I remember that, that you're wrong. And I said, you are mistaken in understanding your aunt because narcissism isn't always what you see. And with covert narcissists, they are so good, skilled, and adept at presenting a facade that most people would never think that they're narcissists. So in the case of your aunt, who was what I call a garden variety overt narcissist, the type of narcissist that is described in our, the DSM-5, Psychotherapist Diagnostic Manual. But in the case of her aunt, she transitioned from overt narcissist and realize that it was no longer safe, that she had no allies anymore. She had no one 
that, she, that would back her up or she could exploit, gaslight, or manipulate to back her up. And she was alone. And like any person, healthy or not, was contemplating the end of their life and wondering who was going to take care of them when they became weak and infirm. And in the case of this woman, and I would learn many, many more, she realized that she was on an island that she no longer had any SLDs in her life that she could manipulate. So she had one of two choices. One, to be like any grandiose overt narcissist, is to suffer the lifelong harm that she delivered to others and suffer the consequences. And that happens a lot with narcissists as they get older. And I'm going to talk about that. Or to change herself so that she still can meet her insatiable narcissistic needs, but not be seen as a narcissist. So in other words, she went from an overt narcissist to a covert narcissist once she realized all of her resources were gone. And that is when she started to hedge her bets, make sure that there would be people around to care for her. Because in reality, she was very wealthy. She didn't need to worry about if she was going to you know, go to a nice care facility. But what she worried about is being alone and isolated, which by the way, is a very, very fundamental concern that narcissists have when they can be conscious of it. Narcissists cannot stay conscious of their fear of being alone, loneliness, core shame for very long. Unlike their victims, the SLDs, the codependents, who can easily tap into their such loneliness or shame, they can only have brief moments and the pain gets so much, they close that window. So the point with this story about the this woman is that she was able to change her narcissism so that she could control others by being what they didn't expect her to be and what they always wanted her to be and be able to bribe them. And I'm pretty sure that she found an effective way to be taken care of into old age. So what I learned from that event was that narcissists reinvent themselves in order to get ready for their latter years in their life. The ones that have resources or who either were or are covert narcissists or have some sociopathic trait, have some sociopathic trait, which is often with narcissists. In fact, you guys probably have heard me say that personality traits are independent of the diagnosis. So you can have a diagnosis and traits of, you know, you can have borderline personality disorder with sociopathic traits. You can have depression with anxiety traits, etc. So, you know, what I came to understand and began to study is what happens to the pathological narcissist as they get older and they start to feel the weight of their body. You know, I'm 60. I I don't, I wouldn't say I feel the weight of my body, but my neck hurts and my knees hurt and my back hurt, but I'm happy. But the narcissists, they don't have that happiness to sustain them or to somehow offset the aging process. So they panic. But what happens more often than not, narcissists start to crumble. And this is one of the many patterns my clients bring to me. They start to get scared. They start to feel weak. They start to get needy. And I have videos about that, but they start to go into panic mode. They are rarely, rarely happy in old age and seem to be overwhelmed, sometimes flooded by fear, anxiety, and paranoia of getting old, getting sick, and dying. It's as if they're running a race towards something. They simply become miserable and pessimistic when their health deteriorates. 
and the mental health also deteriorates. I mean, you don't have to be a narcissist to start, you know, having memory challenges, you know, um, lose your abilities and skills that you once were so proud of. The narcissists start to fold in on themselves. They always were sustained by siphoning off all of what other people needed, but only SLD victims could give to them. And when they are either alone without SLDs to take care of them, and it happens in old age when a partner dies or when, um, a, when their friends or family members decide to finally stand up and um, to their increasingly unreasonable demands and uh, selfishness, they get more and more afraid. They get angry. They get terribly pessimistic and cranky. And this is almost like um, a cliche of the old, angry, miserable person who for everything, there is a negative interpretation. Now, I'm not going to say that this is, a, is diagnostic for narcissism, but I will say it is very common because the only thing that kept the narcissist happy, and it never was true happiness, was the ability to get something from others in order to make it their own, to run just fast enough away from their shame. This panic starts maybe in their 40s, maybe 50s, for some 60s. It really is dependent on the narcissist's physical or medical health, their level of pessimism, and the level at which they feel like they are really nothing other than their narcissistic accomplishments, the stuff that they stole, siphoned, or manipulated others into giving them. So as they get older, they start to tap into the core shame that until that point was nicely cordoned off because of the brain. You know, that is how a personality disorder works, is you cannot access memories and feelings of the shame or how broken you are because they are disassociated permanently for many from their awareness. So what happens then is they start to tap into that. They start to get twinges of their, their misery, their dishonesty, the harm, their selfishness, because they don't have any way to make themselves feel good about dying. Now, that's kind of an odd statement. So let me clarify. No one wants to die, really. But many people who've lived a full life, who have loved themselves and others, have more to celebrate than to look back on with disappointment. They see their lives filled with accomplishments, even with their mistakes. They have children. They have businesses, they have gardens, they have something that they can leave behind that will represent their impact in the world in which they live. And if they are religious, and especially if that religion incorporates a belief in heaven, then they look forward to that. Because even in their imperfection, they believe that God or their own understanding and version of God will open their arms and take them into the next phase. But the narcissist, they start to get terrified of that process of dying. They cannot access that whole process of finding and recollecting parts of their life that they can derive meaning and happiness or a feeling of satisfaction. They don't have kids that they will leave behind, even though they're not perfect, who will remember them. They don't have children who will grieve their loss and reflect 
about how wonderful, beautiful, loving, how generous their parent was, how much they impacted their lives, how they impacted the world. But on the contrary, they actually can connect to, not for very long, the idea that they hurt most everyone in their life. And this is that twinge I'm talking about. This is that moment where that window opens the core shame, where they start to realize that dying is to be nothing. It is a cold, bleak moment where they become nothing and connect perhaps eternally with their real beliefs about themselves, about being broken and, and shame infused. And if you believe in God, and as many narcissists claim to believe, and of course have a concept of heaven, they will believe that their creator will review their life in some form or some manner and will make a decision about where they go in the afterlife or heaven as some call it. And they almost always know that they're not going to go to the place that they believe good people go to. And that panics them. It scares them. It terrifies them. So during their phase of advanced aging, um, and sometimes when they're sick, they desperately try to change the narratives of their life. They desperately try to get people to understand that their relationship was actually a positive one, a loving one. Now, this often doesn't work with people who are not gaslit or who are finally able to break free from the narcissist just because of their frailty. So at the time when they start to deteriorate is about the time that they lose control over the people that they have manipulated, coerced, gaslit, and they have no one to make them feel good about themselves. And they are now left alone to stew in their own juices. And then without this belief in afterlife, or even like, for example, in the Jewish religion, I'm Jewish, but I'm not very religious though, but in the Jewish religion, they don't have this very strong detailed belief of the afterlife in heaven. Although uh, depending on you know your background, you might have something. But in this belief system, the heaven is how you impacted the world and what you did that contributed to the world that will be remembered forever. They believe they are going to disappear into darkness and never be remembered again. And that will trigger everything about their pathological narcissism that their defense systems in their brain would try to push down or disassociate. They start to freak out. This is about the time they desperately attempt to rewrite history and change memories. My dad did it. I, was, I spent his last, the last couple of weeks of his life and he started to tell me the truth about things or his own version of the truth that made him feel more of a victim to the life he lived and less of a harmful perpetrator. They start to humanize themselves by talking about what happened to them and their sadness and their abuse and their regret and their guilt. They try to, and some desperately try to adopt even stronger, more stringent black and white religious beliefs. They believe are rules in which if they follow, will give them the key, the ticket into the afterlife. Like this woman the, that I told you about earlier in this video, they start to invest in the future by buying favor 
and trying to impact people so that they won't be left alone. It's very common for narcissists as they get older and when they get sick, they find God. In other words, they become a believer, not because all the good reasons that people describe in, in finding God or becoming a believer, but in order to hedge their biggest fear of being judged and condemned to hell or some version of it. Again, I don't subscribe to these beliefs, but my my goal is not to share my beliefs, but to give what I see as a predominant experience that these narcissists have. It's then a slow and miserable dying process where they fall apart. They're terrified. They're depressed. They're angry. They're lonely. And they just have no one to beat up. Again, as my friend said, they stew in their juices. This is, as my English teacher in college once said, it becomes their just desserts. This is when they devolve into a child, a scared child, an angry child, an acting out child. And to most, they have no witness to it because no one really spends any time with them, gives enough of their energy to try to understand them. So to conclude, pathological narcissism is an incredibly harmful set of disorders. To be a pathological narcissist, whether it's uh, you have borderline, narcissistic, or antisocial personality disorder, it is terribly harmful to the people that they can pull into their web. But those people, like a vampire, they're able to suck their life source out of them in order to satiate their hunger. And then when they are done with these folks, they discard them. No, believe in vampires either. But the point is, this is when they die miserably and finally are held accountable for what they did or didn't do in their life. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Building a self-love recovery community means the world to me. Spread the word. Let people know what we're talking about. And until we meet next, I'd like to leave you my favorite of all sayings by George Eliot. It's never too late to be what you might have been. Don't forget that. Our future is in our hands, despite what anyone has told you before. You can be the self-love abundant person you've always dreamt of. It's your birthright.